Hello, Assalamu alaikum everybody. Hope you're all safe, sound and healthy. And I'm back. I'm back because quite a few things have been going on. Um, I wasn't actually intending to do a podcast, but a lot of things were going on. And I thought that before, you know, I get late in summing them up. Um, better to get them out of the way now. Because first of all, actually two very interesting things happened side by side. On the one hand, we have uh, Sanam Javed, who's finally released. Finally, the court's decision has been adhered to. And finally, she has physically been allowed to leave. Um, and then at the same time, we've got Sheikh Rashid, who gets arrested again. Um, now, Sheikh Rashid um, has always been part of PTI, one way or the other, as a loyalist. He's been part of Imran Khan's. Basically, he's loyal to Imran Khan, and he's always stated he will remain so. He has said that he will never do a press conference like the others, no matter what happens. But uh, people are now a bit afraid that this time they might um, torture him to this extent that they might force him to do a press conference. But in any case, it's not like he got a ticket um, on behalf of PTI to contest the elections. So there is that question that why is he being arrested when he is actually not even contesting. He's not even a ticket holder at the moment for PTI. Um, so there's that. And, you know, I, I guess why, on the other hand, has Sanam Javed finally been allowed to leave? Most probably because, you know, they have rendered uh, her completely harmless now. They feel that because they have um, thwarted all means for her to contest against Maryam Nawaz, because now Maryam Nawaz is going to win uh, the seat uncontested. So they think that it's safe now to let Sanam Javed go. I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, this is what it seems. So on once we've got these two very interesting things going on side by side. One person's being released, the other person's being um, arrested. Um, but now uh, the one thing we need to also understand is that the... Uh, the voters, I mean, I mean, it might be an act of pure desperation or, you know, like added tactics on the part of the army or the establishment because the military course is still going on, as we know, where they have fabricated charges against people claiming that these are perps on the 9th May um, charade, the drama that was literally played out by the armed forces themselves, by their intelligence wing. Um, and, you know, and it was outed, it was exposed very openly, very blatantly. And the fact that they are, you know, it's like America. America's 9-11 was exposed very openly, very blatantly, but there are still people who will go on ranting about 9-11. Um, similarly, the Mumbai attacks in India was exposed very openly, very blatantly, but they still ramble on about it. So Pakistan decided why not have a 9-11 of our own and use that to... Um, get rid of PTI, get rid of Imran Khan, as we know, that's exactly what they did. So remember that one of the people who are actually being tried at the moment in the military courts, and most of these trials have reached their final stage, despite the fact that these are unconstitutionally illegal. Um, but hey, who cares, right? So one of them is the nephew of Imran Khan. I hope people remember that he too is undergoing this, such a trial, despite the fact that he actually has nothing whatsoever to do with PTI as such. And officially, he holds no place, as in he was never a ticket holder, as far as I know. I might be wrong here, but correct me if I'm wrong. But I mean, basically, he didn't have anything to do with anything, 
But just because he's the nephew of Imran Khan, okay, in he goes, you know, let's fabricate a case against him. That was initially to pressurize Imran Khan, if you remember, but Imran Khan did not budge. He's still not budging. So here we are today. Um, now, because of that, as I said, this might be an act of desperation on the army's part, because despite the fact, again, that the Supreme Court, um, you know, in its live broadcast, um, just displayed um, the fact that it threw the law out of the window, Ghazi Faiz just displayed it to the whole world that he wasn't even worth being a chief justice. People are definitely questioning his qualifications as I have been questioning his qualifications. Remember, he is where he is today because of Nawaz Sharif, not due to merit, not because he was supposed to be here, but his whole career has been dependent on Nawaz Sharif. Um, he is here today because of Nawaz Sharif. So obviously, he is going to show his loyalty to Nawaz Sharif. And this is why he made this decision. Now, another thing that's actually very funny here um, is, I find it really funny, is because Musarat Hilali, who was one of the judges, remember this was a three-judge a three judge bench, um, and where they made this unanimous collective decision against PTI, um, you know, totally disbanding the whole party by taking away its uh, political symbol, its political emblem, without which no party can contest the elections. So, I mean, after having making this decision, suddenly Musarat Hilali wakes up from her slumber and she's like, oh, you know, PTI never got a level playing field and this is not just, this is not right. You signed the decision. You were put there on the bench in order to make this decision with Faiz. You were one of the three judges, including Faiz, that did this. And suddenly, what were you? I mean, were you like sleepwalking when you were making that decision? I mean, what, what are you trying to do? Or are you suddenly aware of what you've done? Now you're trying to, you know, just sort of scramble and put things together and make yourself a little bit better in public. No, nobody's going to believe your shit. Sorry to say, woman, you were actually there. You sleepwalked into the whole decision. You sleepwalked out of it. And then suddenly you claim that, oh, you were lost. You were, you were lost in some slumber. You became a zombie throughout the process that only now you realize that this was, you know, a wrong decision. Wake up, woman. Wake up and smell the coffee. Seriously, nobody's even going to believe you at this point. Um, I find it very, very uh, stupid and moronic, really. And even more moronic is, you know, Isa Faiz, who literally, literally makes a spectacle of himself in front of the whole world and now he realizes that, oh, that was such a bad idea. You know, uh, now he suddenly decides that there should be no broadcasting anymore of any of his trials and that there should be no media allowed and all media is banned from the court. You idiot, you moron. You know, you just made a huge spectacle of yourself in front of the whole world. The whole world is mocking you. If you really cared about that, you wouldn't make the decision you made. The truth is you don't care. See, um, you know, Hazrat Ali said one thing. He said, fear those who do not fear God. So fear that person who does not fear God. And that is so apt because these are people, these are perfect examples of the USA, the UK, Israel, you know, our establishment, our army, our illegal government, our judges. They are perfect examples of people who do not fear God. Why? They think they are God. They actually do not believe in the life hereafter. This is something I've said time and again, and I do not mind repeating myself here. These are people who do not believe in the hereafter. They do not believe in life after death. They think that once they're dead, that's it, they're gone. First of all, look at the oxymoron here. At one point, you believe you're gods, and so you're wreaking havoc all over the world. 
And then at the other side, you're thinking that when you die, there'll be nothing ahead. So if you're gods, why do you die? Just, you know, food for thought. So back to the points at hand. Uh, the thing about PTI now, yeah, so people might think that, okay, how is PTI going to deal with the fact that its symbol is taken away from it? It's disbanded basically as a political party. Um, plan B of collaborating with PTI-N, PTI-Nazariati party, um, has also sort of been interfered with uh, thanks to the kidnapping and press conferencing, you know. So uh, what else now? Well, what else is that although, and yes, they also tried to humiliate um, the can because now most of the candidates are obviously forced to go independent um, and they're forced to take, in fact, they're given absolutely ridiculous, pathetic uh, symbols such as, you know, a charpai. And we all know what a charpai is. It's part of the English dictionary, although it's originally an Urdu or Hindi word. But I mean, so they've got a charpai and on the other side, they've got one, some have got um, vegetables like brinjan, you know, aubergine. So yeah, very ridiculous. They thought that they would humiliate them and they wouldn't even be able to go out and ask for votes based on these symbols. But guess what? They do not even have to run their campaigns. People are now actively actually asking each other that, okay, who's the person now who's supposed to be a PTI member? What is his new symbol? And what do we have to keep in mind? So now instead of campaigning as to vote for this symbol, now the campaign is, is sort of a reverse campaign where now they're saying, do not vote for these, 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 these symbols. So now people actually know what to look out for. So instead of people trying to remember what symbols, what new ridiculous symbols they need to vote for or stamp on, now people are just remembering that, okay, as long as it's not one of these symbols, we'll stamp on it. So if it's, uh, for example, the symbol of a tiger, um, we will not stamp on it. If it's the symbol of so-and-so uh, of a book, for example, that's JUI, will not stamp on it. So that's how. So basically now people are going to look out for symbols that they know that they should not stamp on so that it would be safe to stamp on any other symbol. That's how the campaign is going. Plus, uh, PTI, as usual, has taken the election campaign to a next level, um, to a futuristic level. Yes, one would argue that PTI always did do its campaign online, if you look at it properly, because, uh, you know, when PTI won the elections, despite the rigging, uh, when they won the elections, um, it was because um, they effectively campaigned online. They connected with people online. They were very active on social media. Obviously, it's because they were mainly the young generation, dealing with the young generation. So they used the young generation's mood, a mode or move. Sorry, I was going to say both the words at the same time. <laughs> so because of that, we have now PTI that is already adept at using social media for its campaigning. So you're thinking, what's new? What's next level? What's next level is that before they didn't actually ra rally online, as you know. So if you remember recently, PTI did a fundraising online, they did virtual conferences online, they did virtual rallies online. And the best part about these virtual or online rallies and corner meetings and conferences and meetings is because <clears throat> they connect with the whole world now. So where you have physical rallies, which uh, Nawaz Sharif and Zardari are still limited to, um, so where you have physical rallies, which actually needs a lot of money and it's a lot of time, a lot of effort, you go online and you're basically campaigning with 
zero money used. And you're connecting with a larger number of people because now you're not just limited to that city, you know, so you're not going to rally from city to city. Now you can just rally once on a whole global level. So that's, you know, something. So that's how they've taken, even in America or Britain or any other country, you will not have people rallying online or campaigning online like this. So this is once again PTI making history all over the world, really, at a global level. So once again, PTI is making history by turning the whole campaign, the whole campaign itself, from the fundraising to the rallying to the meeting to the conferencing, everything online. And they even have a portal, actually. So they've actually, uh, they have a portal where you can go and you can sort of type in your district or your area, and then you will automatically find out who the candidate is that you need to vote for and what his symbol is. So that they've made things even easier once again for you. They've gone completely digital. Again, one would argue they were always digital, but now they've gone 100% digital. So that's good news. I mean, that's how you can say PTI has once again, um, you know, turned the tables around. And maybe that is what has panicked the army, one can argue, into again, you know, kidnapping people and forcing people to once again, you know, um, say or do something to negate PTI. But they don't, uh, again, you know, I think if the army and the establishment, if, if all these corrupt people, if they actually cared about what the world is um, saying about them or what Pakistanis are saying about them or what the overseas Pakistanis are saying about them, they wouldn't be doing this in the first place. The fact is they, they, they don't care because their loyalties lie elsewhere. They only care about what their masters are telling them to do and what their masters are saying. And their masters are who? Um, the US of America and United Kingdom. So you have these two establishments that are pulling their strings, remember? Um, so they care about what they say. So what they say is their command, okay? Um, what our people say, they don't care. Because remember, our country was hijacked right from the start by these traitors that were planted by the British before they left. And then they handed over the whole operation to the US. This is not a, you know, a conspiracy. This is on the record, please. Look at your history, please. You know, look at the archives. Um, one thing that I have you know, done a lot of is study the archives. And because I'm a writer, I actually know how to read between the lines when I read history books. And I know how to do my research, again, because I'm a writer. Um, the amount of archives that we have to go through, especially when you're writing a spy series or a thriller series or, you know, a political espionage series, you need a, a whole lot of research that you, that you get done, despite the fact that even most of the stuff you're writing about is happening right in front of you. But, you know, to authenticate, um, to verify, to confirm, you have to, again, go into it. The amount of archives I've driven through seriously in the past years. Nothing is, I mean, it just confirmed that the history books really have mentioned it all, even sometimes when it doesn't seemingly mention it. There's a lot of stuff in history that if you read, you can actually understand what the writer is trying to say, although sometimes it's not very blatant about it. And yet there are many history books that have blatantly also pointed out facts. So please read your history and you will know that these are not conspiracy theories, but these are actual facts that are being recorded. Um, just like how, you know, people had a, 
you know, they had a very hard time believing um, the fact that, you know, Liaquat Ali Khan was also killed basically by the U.S. And then, you know, the CIA reports suddenly gets released a few years ago because after a certain amount of time, as you know, as for the law, the CIA is obliged to release information for public, um, you know, access. And this information was released together with that of Puto's death, by the way. These are the things that I kept on pointing out because I could actually figure them out when I was going through the archives and the history books. But people seemed to have, you know, a problem understanding these facts. But then, okay, thanks to CIA, I just got vindicated. But now, again, I'll say that right now, what is going on is the fact that the USA and the United Kingdom and Israel are very openly, very blatantly showing off. Um, they're showing their true colors. They're showing the true agenda in front of the whole world. And the fact that the whole world is still just having debates and yelling competitions with them is pathetic. It's the same way as I find that people of Pakistan right now are, you know, being pathetic in the way that they're dealing with, um, you know, you're not dealing with civilized people, for God's sake. You know, you're not dealing with God-fearing people, you know. Um, yes, there have been some journalists, um, including with Pirzada, and I, I think... Uh, I think uh, maybe Sabashak, I don't know, but there have been some who have actually quoted um, the message that uh, basically, you know, the harsh, me the harsh message that has been circulating online that was that, you know, it was said that it was sent by Imran Khan to uh, Isa Faiz. Um, and the harsh message was really just a quotation from the Quran from Surah Al-Maida. And it was more than a harsh message. I think it was just a to the point. He was just reminding him that, you know, uh, you need to remember God. You need to remember that God exists. And if you actually did remember that he existed, you would listen to what he had ordered in this ayat, in this verse of the chapter Surah Al-Maidah of the Quran. So, and what is that verse? That verse simply says that you should not uh, let your enmity or your grudge with the other person stop you from delivering actual justice. So, you know, um, allowing personal grudges and allowing personal enmity to come in between. As you know, it is not even allowed in the law. Remember, uh, in generally, globally speaking, um, in today's world, the legal framework of most of the countries basically is founded on the Islamic legal system. Okay, It's formed on the Sharia. And anybody and everybody who's concerned knows that except the public in general. And the, so this, this ayat actually is the basis of the law where a judge is supposed to be completely neutral. And, he, and if he finds that he is somehow or the other um, involved with the case or with any persons in the case, or that if he has a personal bias, uh, then he has to recuse himself. This comes from this, this you know, uh, part of the Quran, Surah Al-Maida, basically, which gives you the background of the foundation of Sharia, of the Islamic legal system, which tells how a judge should act. Okay, so that verse basically tells how a judge should act, that a judge must be neutral, and that anybody who's sitting in an arbitration, uh, you know, or in, in, in judgment or in mediation, you know, they need to keep that in mind that they cannot allow their personal bias or their enmity to interfere with 
them delivering justice or with them making a right decision okay so yeah um these are facts and imran khan just reminded him of those facts i personally do not think there's anything harsh about it yeah it's harsh if you're thinking that you know he is actually uh reminding uh these stupid morons you know uh of what they really need to be doing but again if they really cared about that they wouldn't be doing it in the first place you know so there is that um yeah on the other side um although we have um you know people might yeah think that okay but somehow the establishment the army the courts um that have uh you know fallen into corruption that they are somehow successful in their thwarting of PTI in the campaign because you know remember last time when we talked about Sher Marbatali and the fact that i said that him coming out might uh, you know it you might find out that suddenly he might back out of PTI or maybe he might not but again you know in either case it would not be a big deal so there are rumors um i i would call them rumors because i've only heard them in one or two places i'm not sure um that he has backed out of PTI and that he said that it was better for him not to participate you know uh, in its activities or whatever so again you know i wouldn't consider it a big deal it could be just a temporary backing out it could be something that he's thought that okay no at the moment you know i think it's better that i just take one step back and let them do their you know whatever it is that they're doing so it might be a better decision in any case um i wouldn't take it personally and i wouldn't uh, take it as a big deal in any case um as i said that this was the prisoner's dilemma that that the police wanted to put him through even if they think they're successful in it maybe they actually believe they are not really successful in it after all that's why the desperate arrest of Sheikh Rashid again who doesn't even hold a ticket currently as a PTI candidate again so there's that um so where now do we stand to be honest on one side things do seem positive because for every stunting of of the PTI candidates um you know they come back with something fresh something new and a fresh new challenge for the establishment to combat but again remember these are people who are not working within the realms of the law they're not working within the realms of civilization um yes there are lawyers those same lawyers that were strong supporters of Isa Faiz who have now turned their backs on him um you know they there is the human rights commission of pakistan that has condemned his decision um there is the lahore high court bar council that has condemned his decision um you know they you know uh, then we've got in fact one of the lawyers uh was very heavy and detailed in his critique and condemnation of the decision on dawn channel i think his name was salahuddin um you know faisal salahuddin and you know he literally broke down into i mean he broke the decision down into a million pieces explaining dissecting it you know doing a a, a regular postmortem of it explaining why this decision was not legal why it was the most shameful and the worst decision ever in history um since you know the one that was made um against putto and then you know why this goes you know it contradicts all all you know the boundaries 
of law and why it goes against the law. So, but again, you know, if if uh, Issa Fais really cared about the law, he wouldn't be doing what he's doing. And again, you know, it doesn't matter if he cares later on because the damage is done. It's the same way as we keep on talking about Pandyal, you know. It doesn't matter that Pandyal later on realized that, oh, you know, I just screwed the whole system overnight. I just opened the court in the middle of the night, which in itself was an illegal act. And then I forced the government to disband. And then I just destroyed the whole constitution overnight, you know, single-handedly. The damage is done. Could he fix it? No. He retired very conveniently. I mean, how could he fix it? How could the judges after him then come and fix it? You make one mistake and then you make another mistake to cover that mistake. And then you make a bigger mistake to cover. It's like lies, you know. You just keep on lying, you know, to cover up your previous lies. And then you end up being a whole lie yourself. So that is exactly the role of the Supreme Court at this moment, where the Supreme Court has literally sold itself to the dictators of Pakistan instead of remaining as the last uh, pillar, you know, it was supposed to be the last standing pillar um, to work against dictatorship. But Isa is very, you know, he just laid down, uh, you know, and he, he just laid down the courts in front of the army and in front of his mentor and Sharif, you know, and he's like, you know, take whatever you want, do whatever you want use us however you want. So he basically prostituted uh, the Supreme Court over to them. That's all I can say. The damage is done. Again, um, the fact that the fact that I find really weird is that you don't get opportunities the way Pakistanis have gotten opportunities again and again um, to overthrow the illegal government, to overthrow the corrupt parties. But for some reason, I don't know why the Pakistanis keep letting it go. They keep letting these opportunities go. Um, again, there is one right at your doorstep. The Balochi women in Islamabad, you know, join them physically. Don't join them on social media. Don't join them, you know, like by cheering them up from within the walls of your homes. They are outside in the severe cold. It is severely cold. Day before yesterday night, it dropped to four degrees. Yesterday night, it dropped to three degrees. Right now, it's already nine degrees. It has been mostly between seven, between six and 11 degrees or six and 12 degrees uh, throughout the day. And now it's dropped to nine, which means again, it will drop to four or three tonight. So, you know, they are out there in that cold. Yes, if you let them like uh, be there, uh, it could, you know, backfire on them and they might end up in a trap. But if you join them, and help them gain momentum and make it into a nationwide protest, a collective protest, you know, then, then we will win. It's a fact. But I'm so tired of repeating myself here because this is something I've been saying for the past 13 odd years now. And people, as like how it took people 20 years to understand Imran Khan, I guess it's going to take people 20 years to understand people like me again. So what have you learned? Seriously, you keep saying Imran Khan has opened your eyes he has made you more aware. He has made you. But then what are you doing? Seriously, what are you doing? You know, walking out of rallies of Maryam Nawaz or boycotting her rallies. That's not how it works. Okay. I'll say it again. You need to be brutal. You need to be united. You need to all come together like how we did before the elections, you know, 
But, okay, you do you, whatever makes you sleep well at night. What can I say? What can I do? I can only just scream into my mic day in and day out. And with that, I think I have uh, recapped everything, um, ranted even a bit. But yeah, I think I did forget one thing because as I said that uh, they've taken everything online. Um, and, you know, you, you also have a portal, PTI's portal, where you can go and check um, who the candidates of your area are and all. But yes, they're, for overseas Pakistanis, um, in case you're not aware of it, um, they have also um, created groups, mainly on WhatsApp. Um, so, you know, um, in those groups, you can get all the information and updates um, regarding the whole process of, you know, who's a new candidate, who's in and who's out. Because remember, the old known faces are gone. Um, the electables, which, which, you know, which according to the establishment were the electables. I mean, talk about stupidity. I mean, see, this, this shows how stupid they are, that they actually think that they are electables in PTI. In PTI, there's only one person, that's Imran Khan. The minute you show your loyalty to him, you are PTI and you will get the vote. Um, the minute you get away from him, you will not get the vote. It's as simple as that. So it doesn't it doesn't matter who the electables are. Um, anybody, and, and that's how they've proved it, all the young people now that are coming up in places of those who have been illegally disqualified or dis, you know, or removed physically from the scene um, by being illegally arrested or kidnapped or, you know, forced disappearances and all that. So the new faces that are coming up, um, the minute they'll say that, okay, you know, I'm, I'm contesting on behalf of, you know, Imran Khan. I'm, I'm, I'm the ticket holder of PTI and I'm loyal to Imran Khan. That person's going to get the votes. It's as simple as that. But again, I will say, people need to remember that for the past 50 years at least, we have never had a fair election. We have maybe been under the illusion or we never really cared actually because things weren't so bad, I guess. I guess people always want things to go way beyond fixing in order to suddenly want to fix it. So the past 50 years, we've never really had fair elections. Keep that in mind. So the fact that Imran Khan barely won this time even, the fact that Imran Khan actually won the previous times that every every time he contested in the elections he actually won but his tickets were stolen by the army and thrown away because the army used to tell us that oh it's not his time yet we won't allow him to come so you know uh yeah the army inherited pakistan from their mother you know so yeah so and once you've got that and then suddenly imran khan you know when he actually finally does win as we can see um he still did not get two-thirds majority that was the rigging there okay because actually he won with two-thirds majority but he couldn't get his two-thirds majority because of the rigging so now again even though uh, there have been some very interesting um, you know um, theories or advices by certain very interesting people that I do listen to uh, where they have said that you know it would be a good choice that all the that the people do contest the elections independence independently as independent candidates and then you know they will join one prominent group um you know and, and you know and then later on uh, but still remain you know loyal as pti members so that they can regroup once they have joined their respective seats in the parliament you know or got their respective seats in the parliament 
so or in the assemblies you know accordingly yes that that, that is uh, an idea yes i'm sure they've already probably thought of of, uh, of something similar but again there there are risks to it for example you know um I'm sure regathering or regrouping is in the agenda, um, but I mean, if you're regrouping with one political party and as an affiliate, and then you know, then you regroup together as your own party. Yes, I it, yes, I understand that. It's a very interesting thing, but again, my problem here is once again, people are basically voting for Imran Khan, right? People will vote for these people, yes, because of Imran Khan, yes. But the main point is, will we still be able to get that strength? You know, when all these people, when they get elected, will they still be able to turn the tables when they, once they enter the government? Because remember, the army, the establishment are trying that even if Nabashri forms the government, he will not be in full majority. Well, in his case, he cannot have full majority because he doesn't have the people, because half of these electables have actually run off. And the other half are not being given tickets, so they're pissed off. Um, and same as with Zardari. So Nawashif and Zardari are basically issuing tickets to their own families. And the same thing is with uh, Maulana Tariq. You know, so, sorry, did I say Tariq? Maulana Fazlul Haq, right? So just let me call him Maulana Diesel, because it's, seriously, I'm now beginning to mix up names. So yeah, so we've got Diesel, he too is basically issuing tickets to his family. They're going to be the core electables. Nawar Sharif and his family, core electables. Zardari and his family, core electables. You don't really have any party member as such. So, you know, um, they do not even have enough to form now a major. So they will probably end up being PDM all over again, which suits the purpose, you know, of uh, the establishment at the end of the day. So... How do we ensure that the PTI candidates actually, you know, gain in number, not just in strength? Because in the parliament at the end, numbers, you know, your numbers are your strength. Um, and how again to ensure that if they do join a major political group, for example, um, and to collaborate with it once in the parliament even, how will they make sure that that group is actually going to work with them, you know, to attain power, to attain strength, to attain majority within the parliament so that they can, you know, assert themselves. And, you know, that is exactly what the establishment will not want. And that is exactly what the establishment is working towards. So there are no guarantees. That's my point. My point is there are no guarantees. We cannot always get excited or, you know, over every time. It's a very long, tedious struggle. And again, it's becoming long and tedious because of our people's inactiveness. Again, going out and doing random protests and rallies is not going to help. We need to, all of us, just get out there, shut the country down. When we will collectively shut the country down, we will cripple the illegal government, we will cripple the organizations, we'll bring them down to their knees instead of them forcing us down to our knees. But when will we learn? We will never learn because we don't have a history of actually fighting for our country, isn't it? Our country was literally given to us at a plate. You need to learn to fight. That's the only way we can actually get rid of them. We cannot get rid of them by biding our time and you know, hoping that OPTI derives a new tactic or a new strategy for God's sake. You know, we need to do it ourselves. So this is me.
signing out for the hafiz